0: Hey guys, it's William. Quick programming note here. Content note, really. Uh, This episode is Royal Rumble 92. It's a perfect 10. However, me and Charlie take about 37 minutes before we get there. I think. It's around that time. But uh, we spend a little bit of time, a lot of time in this case, talking about the Ruthless Aggression doc that's on the WWE Network, and we get into a discussion about Pixar and the movie Onward. So we have kind of this movie-slash-wrestling conversation that goes on a little bit longer than we both intended for. Uh, so if that is not your cup of tea, if you're like, yeah, no, thanks guys. I'd really just rather hear about the rumble. Cool. Go to minute 38 on your pod right now. Just scrub ahead. If you want to, if not just enjoy us talking about movies, that's cool. Either way, it's fine. we're giving you the option just to give you a heads up. Cause some people may get into this and they're like, dude, we're at minute 15. Why aren't we at the rumble yet? Well, that's why we want to give you that heads up. So again, go to minute 38. If you want to just get strictly into the rumble and hear nothing else or Just go ahead and keep on playing. You'll hear us talk about some other things here for a bit before we get into the Rumble. So either way, guys, have a good time. Enjoy the show.
1: All right, by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, we have a brand-new World Wrestling Federation champion as the press watches on. At this time, to present the title belt to the new champion, our president, the distinguished Jack Tunney. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after very distorting the belt, to proclaim me the real world champion, I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one. The only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one when you are the king of the W W. You rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Uh-huh. The guys, the right for woo! 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 Let's give a big one! Woo! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, and you be now, the real
2: world heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but <laughs> we told you so.
1: Okay, very good. Rick Floyd. <laughs>
0: All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the New Blood Rising podcast in our series of Perfect Tens. Uh, today's going to be another fun one. We teased this one a few episodes ago that we ha- were going to run it back and do this. It is the Royal Rumble match from 1992, the legendary Royal Rumble match from 1992. I'm William Rinkin, joined by Charlie Stabil. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> and here we are. And, um, you know, when we talk off air we sometimes get ahead of ourselves and we're like, man, we need to save this for the pod and we did our due diligence and we're doing that here. So where I wanted to leave, lead off a couple, a couple days ago, you told me you need to watch the ruthless aggression doc. You know, I, unfortunately this was one of those times where I had the house to myself. I was like, perfect. I can watch all the shit that I've needed to watch for a while. So let's do it. So I just, I just broke down. I was like, okay, boom, let's start watching the, the, the ruthless aggression doc. I first want to hear your thoughts about it. overall. You've watched all of them. I've only seen three. I haven't seen the last two, but how do you feel overall about it? Um, for
2: the most part, I really like it. It's kind of like uh, the way that I look at the Monday night war doc, where they're definitely leaving things out and they make it sound. I mean, it's the old history told by the winners thing with the Monday night war doc Like gets from the WWF perspective. And there's always that level of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it doesn't feel like the complete truth and ruthless aggression kind of has that too. But, um, it's, I like the, the singularity of the episodes that they focus on. Cause like the first episode is what the transition and then the second one's John Cena, I think. And yeah. is the third one Brock
0: Third one, or I've seen four now, I'm sorry. The third one's Evolution, the fourth one is Brock.
2: Fourth one's Brock, and then the fifth one, I think, is Raw versus SmackDown, which, right? you know, I was really looking forward to that episode, because I've, you know, I've always wanted a justification uh, t- for that era, because I was, I, I just wasn't a big fan of it, um, when Raw and SmackDown would quote-unquote compete with each other, and in, in all honesty, as much as I liked that episode, it really didn't do... It didn't really fill that void uh, for me. That's been going on since that era started. Uh, I wish that uh, they had got someone other than Michael Rapaport. Like, <laughs> uh, like there's something about WWE or pro wrestling in general where they would get like a celebrity to do a voiceover like this, and they they talk like they watched it as it happened, and you just know they didn't. You know, it's that it's that inauthenticity going on there like you could have gotten like a legendary wrestler to do it that would have been cool like someone someone from a previous era like would have been really interesting or somebody from that era would have been pr- pretty cool but and because it's like we got to get a celebrity to do this well like who's who's a celebrity that, that we can get how about michael rapaport this who you just it <laughs> just it's such a c-grade level celebrity but other than that, um, I know you said you had it. You called it. What did you call it? Murky. Uh, wonky. Wonky. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. Wonky. That's better. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Because you've seen the first. Movie.
0: Um, I, I'm. Just, it's strictly production value subpar. The production value, I think, is subpar. I don't think it is it's it's honed in enough. It's not reined in enough. I don't think it's particularly edited well. And the reason I say that is it just. And I think this is the this is they kind of have a formula with how they make these. It's that you're right about this narrator. I think they need to get rid of the narrator. I don't think you need a narrator necessarily for this. And the thing that makes me laugh is like those hilariously like just perfectly constructed transitions that sound just really forced. Like, like for example, the Brock versus Rock match. While the Rock was headed out and on his way to Tinsel Town, da 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 they then they the second part of the sentence has to do with Brock and it's like it felt it it feels forced it sounds even worse when you're right it comes from a narrator that it just doesn't fit it just like I'm sure Rappaport can narrate something and it'd be pretty good I don't feel like he just feels right with this material um the thing is like, the first episode was where I really was like the production value on this I was like why, the way they edited this, they they make it sound like we did Invasion. It did not work out very well. We brought in the NWO. We brought in some of these other guys. We needed somebody to step up and take over. And then immediately it was John Cena and everything was fine. We did a draft. And then they, they end it almost like everything's fine. And it's like, you're only in 2002. It's not fine. It takes a while. The... That first episode, what would have been really neat is you do the, fir- the first one needed to be really long. Go ahead and punch out two hours for the first episode. Why? You can tell all the broad strokes of what happens in this entire era. Because that's the other thing they don't define very well is how long this era lasts. And maybe that's just a problem overall in wrestling is we don't really have a clear ending for the quote-unquote ruthless aggression era. Like the Attitude Era. It's Everyone's kind of got it honed in a little bit around, like some people say WrestleMania 17. Cool, that's fine. There's some people will take it as far as WrestleMania 20 is when it truly kind of peters out because after that is when the guys like Cena and Batista emerge. Whatever. But the point being is there's a little bit more of a, 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 a finer scope on where that era ends. They don't really establish that in this very well. And in that first episode where I thought you're – If you're going to do the other episodes that focus on little parts that branch off from the main one, just tell the whole main story in the first episode. So that way you've got the whole thing beginning to end. And then episode two. All right, now let's focus, go deep dive on John Cena. Because what's so weird is in that first episode how you're just skipping, like how you're skipping over like things that should really be talked about only because we're going to do episodes that completely touch on them later is weird. Like how can you say John Cena grabs the ruthless aggression thing when Brock Lesnar literally at the same time is killing everybody on his way? It just really makes this it 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 makes the narrative really shaped in this way that didn't necessarily happen, which is to your point, it's how WWE does these docs. They shape them in a way that like however they want to to fit a certain story. So I just I, the interviews themselves with people are good. They are fun to look at and hear because a the production quality only gets better with those. They've now loosened the reins. We're like they can be very free talking about things. You know, Hunter talking about Mark Zendrak backstage and how people were hating them because of what they were doing. Yeah, that's weird. That stuff's cool. That stuff's cool. Some of the current stars, I, you, I could do. Oh, with. I don't, I don't, I don't, any under, any I don't understand this.
2: Why do we keep getting? Uh you know, Rolf Wiggler, or wh- whoever that guy is. Uh, the 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 guy with the blonde hair. What's his name? He's 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 on the roster right now. Um, is it Adam Cole? I don't remember. But they keep like throwing. Oh yeah. They keep. <laughs> yeah, yes. They keep throwing. <laughs> <laughs> they keep throwing in these new guys, and it's like I I, I could I literally could not care less uh, what a current superstar has to, has to say about it. Um, no. like he, I think they're looking at it from a fan perspective, and, and it's not even like a current superstar. It's like this guy is like extremely current, like yesterday, you know. It, when if they got, I think Kevin Owens might come on a time or two, and that's okay, because because he's been around for like six or seven years, and it's like okay. But like it also kind of has this weird thing where it feels like they're this is a weird WWE way to try to get somebody over. <laughs> it's yeah. You know, yeah. like, which, it doesn't work that way, but it's like, why else would you interview this guy? Hey, do you remember Ruthless Aggression? That I do. And <laughs> just sit him down and ask him some questions. Oh, yeah, Randy Orton. He was, he was amazing, you
0: know. Well, so it's interesting. Ep- I think the Brock episode is the first time Rollins appears. And if you listen to all of his quotes, they don't have any names or anything specific said to them. They are His quotes could honestly be taken from a completely different interview that's what's funny about his lines. I'm like, I'm not, I I kept wondering that I was like, was he actually talking about Brock or was he talking about somebody else? And they just clipped it and used it for this because it sounds like he's talking about this. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's, he doesn't say anything outrageous or anything. Like, it's not like it's, it's like some kind of um, defamation or something like that, but it is like, it's that weird kind of creative storytelling that they do. Like for whatever reason they use, they, they completely duplicate John Cena. They use a bookend of him talking about how his ruthless aggression era character failed at the beginning and the end of his episode, and it's like I, I, they they have these they they just have these interesting choices to where I'm like, have you, you guys are tight with ESPN. Their thirty for thirties are the blueprint on how you can do awesome sports documentaries. I'm not saying copy them. I'm not saying like you have to, but they the the way they they craft a story where they don't have to use a narrative a narrator
2: well like, i i just don't see wwe ever fully going in on that you know because if you outsource i can see them outsourcing at to espn but i see it with several restrictions oh,
0: several. right i don't i and and let me clarify i don't mean outsource them necessarily but it's like look at them you guys partner oh. with them like study what they do because they they, they figured out how to dominate the market when it came to sports documentaries to now where HBO, all these different networks now have like, how can we do a 30 for 30? And it feels like WWE's tried to do that. It's like you, you were telling me about, I haven't watched yet, like the the Rodzilla 30 minute doc you yeah. know, that they they have on the network as well. And yeah, I enjoyed stuff, that. Like, one. Oh,
2: yeah. But the yeah. thing that's weird, the only thing I don't like about that one is that there's no new interviews with Karl Malone. Like, I don't think I've ever heard Karl Malone ever talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that match. So it's a good but, point. Yeah, but other than that, it, it's like one of those quick thirty for thirties that go like fifteen or thirty minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, that they used to air that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, it's it just when you got WWE, who's so stringent about what what they want to release and what they want people to know, it's that's why it's always so amazing. Like when you when you learn something from one of their docs that you never knew, you're like, what, well, what? You know, like. Well, I've never heard that, and it's just very surprising, because usually with WWE docs, it's a lot of the same repetition. And there's some that I love, like the one that they did for Austin um, a few years ago for his uh, Blu-ray set that was like three hours long. I really liked that one, but he's in such good standing with the company, of course it was good.
0: The, um, the, I think the Brock episode I thought overall was the strongest. The evolution one is close. It just feels like, like when you talk about Randy Orton destroying himself, like they don't talk about a lot of like how many chances that guy literally has gotten. They just talked about how he was immature and he got injured. And it's like, no, no, this guy literally was on, like, could have gotten himself fired at yeah. least a couple times. And I, I, it was interesting just sort of their, their choices with doing the evolution one because that's, I think, am I not? That one goes over an hour. Brock is only 41 minutes. Right. Well, something. it's Triple H. Right. We have, well, to, we have, and to, we I have know to it's more people. <laughs> Well, and I understand, like, it's a stable, so you have to try and get all those guys on there. Right. The and, thing and was, no was, like, the,
2: Evolution is, is awesome. Yes. Mm, it's a yeah. one of the best stables ever, so. Yeah, and I liked what like I love I love Batista's interviews in these things. Yeah. Batista has this really good quality of it. Always seems like he's being honest and has a. I, I like what he has to say, and the, the stuff that he revealed about Jin I thought was pretty interesting because I didn't know some of that stuff.
0: Uh, back to when do you consider ruthless aggression to be over with? Because I'm like you, it's not an era I know. As much about as I do, like the Attitude Era or previous eras, like it's a blind spot still to this day. And these docs are cool because they kind of fill in more gaps and stuff like that. Sure. When do you think it ends?
2: Uh, when WWE goes to PG.
0: Okay. For me, that's it. Which is when is when is that too? By the way, like I remember it, but I don't remember the year. Two thousand eight. Okay. So from okay. two and, and
2: ruthless aggression. I mean, I guess you could say it starts with. Vince's promo with all the wrestlers surrounding him um yeah I guess you, I guess you could say that like like there's no there's no like set thing like I always thought of like if you the attitude era like for me ends at 17 and yet I really don't feel like we get a traditional or a, sorry a transitional mania until 20 because when I think of a ruthless aggression mania the first one that comes to mind is 21 so from yes, from seven, from 17 to uh, 20, I don't really know what that is. Because that's the era where WWF becomes WWE. That's when the NWO comes in. That's when all the WCW guys we wanted to come in in the first place come in. And WWF just kind of became something different for a little while. Where the roster was completely loaded. There weren't that many new guys. And if there were like, someone like Sean O'Hare or something, they weren't getting a major push because yeah. it, was, it was all about the dream matches. And, yeah, like, for all intents and purposes, from 17 to 20 is, like, a last hurrah of of
0: our childhood of, of watching wrestling. It, it's like, it, I always liked the idea that it was, like, an epilogue. Like, it, you know, kind you've of. read the major story. This is sort of like the wrap-up of, of the era. It kind of closes the loops on, the, you know, the Austins, the Rocks. Sure. and then you even get that that high moment at 20 where you have Benoit Guerrero with the belts and stuff like that and and That's 21 is moment. i mean yeah 21 is absolutely the start of something new because literally Batista and Cena become the champs in that in that mania and i almost feel like it a tra- the same transitional tag can be applied to what you were saying like i almost around like the 08 to 20 uh, 2012 whenever they i feel like bef- that era between 08 and whenever they started three hour Raws. Because once three hour Raws start, it feels like everything changes because that's when FCW and then NXT, all that stuff starts to kind of take shape. And sure. that's kind of where we're in now, in a way, I guess. Yeah.
2: And it's not just the PG thing. Like, I think Kurt Angle leaves in 06. So that's kind of yeah. the beginning of it. And other than the PG part of it, the really big thing with it is. Um, John Cena, he toned down his character to what the way we know it now. Uh, He got rid of the Doctor of Thugonomics or you know that character and just went for I'm just going to wear a lot of colors and not and not rap anymore. And that tied in with the PG part. So yeah, I'd say the ruthless aggression era lasts uh, three four
0: years. It's yeah yeah. I mean that's the thing. Like I would and that's that's what I wish they would kind of they they. And I don't know, because did you tell me there are more from this series coming?
2: Yeah, so when you finish episode five, and you're like, oh, I can't wait okay. until they release the next one next week. There's like this little text that airs right at the end of five that says, uh, new episodes of Ruthless Aggression, whatever, coming spring 2000, or sorry, coming fall 2020. And it's like, what? What like, is this? Like, like what kind the of under- airing schedule I'm- is this?
0: Yeah, that's wild that they... Because, like, Undertaker will clearly get an episode. He should oh, because... Oh, God, he was the King of SmackDown.
2: His, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm curious what they do because, like, if... They can't just do... Like, I love Booker T. Booker T probably doesn't need a whole episode, but how do you get him in there? You have to get him in there somehow. And they haven't yet. Not really. They right. mention him, of course, in that... that first episode where they're talking about the transition, but they really don't otherwise. So that's what I'm curious about. Like how many more episodes are they going to do with this? Because we're going to quickly run into that Monday night war territory where by the time you got about five, six episodes deep in there, it is the same. Yeah. thing Every yeah, time man. the so, same thing.
2: Monday night war, I think was like 22 episodes or 20, 20, 21. I don't see this going that long. I don't see this going beyond 10.
0: And that, and it doesn't, and that's, and that's the thing. It doesn't really need to be like, no, even people that watch, like, I know this is your favorite. You haven't seen it. I have, we don't even really need to talk about, but I'm just talking about strictly from um, how how a structure standpoint, tiger King, I think is like six or seven. I think it's seven episodes. Probably could only probably could be shaved to five or six, probably.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And it's the same thing with these Monday night war one, that Monday night war one, where it's like, I feel like by the time you got through, Goldberg or Jericho I was like I'm kind of done I feel good about what we've done here
2: yeah they because they scraped <laughs> the bottom of the barrel pretty much
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean ne- this absolutely. wasn't neat so yeah um I'll be interested I'm I'm I, I'm definitely going to finish it you should uh, overall like it, is it entertaining yes uh, but it definitely like the we live in an era now where like the documentary like is one of the biggest entertainment like must see things Which is that we fantastic. have right now. Like, yeah, there's nothing like so, a good doc. Nothing. Absolutely. I mean, it is. You. It. It went from being probably like the most boring genre overall. I'm talking general consensus. Like people were not lining up to see documentaries. So now, where people are ready to just cancel weekend plans and and just binge watch a documentary sure. series. Netflix had a big so, part
2: to do with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah absolutely so with that being said it's like you have to step up your game to tell a really good overall story and and i don't i just it th- maybe it's they just feel kind of cheap like it feels like the production value should really be higher on these overall but in the end the inf- the content the content is fun to take in those interviews are worth it alone just seeing those guys talk now about back then especially a guy like randy orton you know hearing him kind of Talk about well as much as they'll let them talk about apparently because they just, they really do miss out on some of the things you're like yeah you got busted twice or how many times with a test a bad test right and you almost got kicked out all and this shit stuff, in like, someone's purse right <laughs> right right right
2: Arceo <laughs> but uh, no not the Prada yeah
0: what else so um, before we get into Rumble what else did you want to talk about here before we do it
2: oh um. What was the other thing? Oh, I wanted to tell you. This is a completely not wrestling related, but I watched Onward last night. I think. I, okay. I think you'd cool. like it. I think you'd like it. It was a good
0: movie. Um, but man, I'll tell you, I, I've, I've heard a lot about it, and I'm like, I got a really, really yeah. build up. It's to so watch funny that's, to
2: like so, watch one of these yeah. movies, and because like I was watching it last night, and it's like I'm watching it with like, I don't know with, like, Will visors on, where, you know, it's like, oh, this is really good, and then something happens, I'm like, I think Will would be okay with that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that might be a little heavy for Will, I don't know,
0: but... Oh, yeah, like, like I mean, Up, I mean, that's the thing about Up, as crazy as that movie is, the beginning and end have two just, like, killer montages that just wreck you. Talking about Up? Like, just wreck... Yes. Oh, sure. Just wreck you. The problem is... <laughs> oh, man.
2: problem is everyone confuses the first 10 minutes of Up or 15 minutes of Up for the entirety of Up. <laughs> That's the problem. Because Yeah, because yeah, that movie just goes to such a weird place. It's like, oh, we're getting pretty far away from the beginning of this movie, which is probably the best thing Pixar ever did. Um, yeah. And Onward isn't quite like that heavy, but it, it definitely... Mm-hmm. It definitely has uh, moments that, uh, and, and the thing that I was most happy with is I thought it would just, I thought it was going to be so predictable, and for a while it is, and then, like, something happens, and it's like, oh, that's an interesting route to take, and on a, just from a storytelling perspective, it's not that I hadn't seen this before, it's just, it's been a long time since I've seen this, and like, me and Kyle had a really good discussion about it afterward, and, you know, it's not like an amazing, like, fantastic Pixar movie, but it's totally
0: worth your time, we feel like we're. Kind of, are we kind of in the ruthless aggression era of Pixar? Like you know, the attitude era for them is the 2000s. So is definitely we broke like, down <laughs> eras
2: of Pixar uh, last night after we watched the movie, um, like Toy Story to Incredibles. That's an era, and or Toy Story to Cars maybe, and then what comes after that goes through to Cars. To, you can basically break it up in Cars because. Uh, you know, Toy Story Three is such a pinnacle of Pixar. Everyone loves it. It was up for Best Picture, and then the very next movie they did after that was Cars Two, and I was like, uh oh, you know. And now, like, like we, we actually had this discussion because, as much as we like the movie, I, I, I was trying to drive the point home of Pixar needs to do something else. Yeah. Uh, Pixar. Yeah. Um, and Kyle's pretty st- stringent on his opinions, and he and he won't admit I'm right, even though he knows that I am but there's, you know, I've basically broke down what the, what the typical Pixar movie is. You know, it's like, no, it's just, you can pretty much take any Pixar movie and just boil it down to, it's a character who lives in a small world who discovers that there's a much larger world. Exactly. And yeah. I, what was it? Cause Kyle didn't believe me. I was like, Kyle, I've seen one trailer for onward and I'm not too excited about it. And he's like, why not? And he goes, because I feel like it's going to be about their dad. And, and he's like, you think it's about their dad? I was like, yeah. I was like, I've seen the mother in the trailer. There's no dad around. Pixar seems to be in a, God, I miss my parents phase right now. And sure enough, that's exactly what it is. And th- I didn't think I was even going to like the movie because of Because I'm a little tired of this. Because I think Pixar, honestly, creatively, uh, at least lately, peaked with um, Inside Out. Like, that was such a different movie and just so wildly imaginative and and then we just kind of keep falling back on this parent thing. And it's like, I, I get it. It's like, we, we, we need to try something else. Like, I saw the trailer for the new movie um, a couple of weeks ago with Jamie Foxx that Pixar's working on. That looks like something far more up my alley. Um, it's about lost souls. And that could be interesting. But it's like, Pixar needs to... Not that these movies aren't still good, but they need to change it up a little bit. Like you know because it's you've seen you've seen onward pretty much before with Pixar it's just now it, there's magic involved you know it's like well like how do we change the setting well it just, just there's magic and there's elves Oh, all right well we can work with that so yeah,
0: yeah I, I you're i think you're 100% right on the eras the 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 schism point is toy story 3 absolutely because i think the the acquisition by uh-huh. disney is announced uh-huh. in 06 and of course like that I mean they had, some, they had movies in the pipeline that were still not on, that, that weren't in, they weren't in-house Disney produced yet I think I think Toy Story 3 is the first is that right is that the first yeah. one
2: yeah because the acquisition happened and I think one of the mandates was you need to start making sequels to all your movies and Pixar was like what so and I like how they kind of got around it with Onward because it's like this could be a sequel to one of their movies they just changed some of the names of the characters and
0: I mean, like, like, it's like I, it's like I joked with you about the good dinosaur. Like, I was like, I feel like the good dinosaur was pitched in every single meeting with what do we want to do next? And somebody always says the good dinosaur and they're like, does anybody have anything else? And they usually went with anything else. It totally
2: feels like that. And when you (laughs) read about what, like some of the earlier draft treatments, good dinosaur was a very different movie several times and a much more interesting movie several times. Like, like, the biggest change I remember is that the kid was supposed to be, like, 10 years old. But now, we don't want him to talk. So we'll make him, like, one or two. And it's like, ah, I really like characters that can talk to each other. <laughs> like, Like, that's that's kind of a, a staple with movies. Not that I don't think Good Dinosaur isn't passable. But, um, yeah, that's definitely lower-rung uh, Pixar for yeah. me. It's just time to do something different. And every now and then they crank it out. Like, It's not talked about very much, but I'm a huge fan of Monsters University because it was like, well, what are they going to do different with this? And it's – the message of the movie at the end was just crazy. It's just like, oh, you may love what you do. Like, you may want to be the best at it, but you just might not be good enough. So maybe you should go do something else. Like, to see that in a kid's movie, I was just like, wow, Pixar still has it. And there's nothing like that in Onward, but, you know, for just a typical – pixar movie and what you would get out of it it's perfectly fine perfectly fine i don't know where they go from here but it's
0: fine well now you know now with disney plus it just changes everything because now you know we got that lamp life for with toy story 4 yep. you know that offshoot where, which was fine except when he this was the first time i figured out that tom hanks his brother does the voice of woody yes like, for some of these things In the video like, games oh. too
2: yeah, there was a short that Pixar put out on Disney Plus that was a Toy Story 4 short about, like, what happened to Bo Peep, and mm-hmm. it was a little I, – I watched it. It was a little jarring to, to hear everyone's voices and then hear, I don't know, Frank Hanks or whatever his name is um, do a Woody impression, but that was a nice short, and they're working on, like, a Monsters Incorporated uh, sequel in TV show form.
0: Like, that's cool i mean i think I'm that very use that, that yeah use that medium i mean like i mean because whenever whenever all this clears up i mean there's no guarantee movie theater life will resume immediately back to normal and it's like maybe putting these things out in that format is not the way to go for the time being and that it'll have to be something like a streaming service is where it goes it's fine i'll tell you though man i love i love party rex Oh, and that I is the best Toy Story short by oh my far. God, I've seen that it is probably so times. good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't get talked about. Uh, enough. And, and I've seen. I all I played the Toy it for story
0: the kids, shorts, but yeah, I yeah, watch them and the other ones, uh, enjoy them. They're good. That one, I remember when it ended. I was I told the kids I was like, "We're watching this again, guys, because I want to." It's awesome. Um, it's so
2: <laughs> creative. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. God dang, I. Yeah, and, and what was cool was it opened up the Toy Story world in a way that we hadn't seen before, where it didn't rev- it didn't need, like, an epic, heroic story. It's like, no, man, we're just bad toys, and it's hard for us to play like you guys do, because we can't just get up and walk. We need water we're to forced- <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. so cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a really good outside-the-box idea. Um, yeah, that's whenever I I talk about the shorts, that's always the one that comes up. Uh it's it's yeah. fantastic. I would put that right up there with the movies, actually. Um, yes. Yeah, so we'll see what happens from here. Um I'm sure there's more sequels in the pipeline. I'm sure there's another cars coming, but and then we got into that cars 3 debate after the movie ended. Oh boy. <laughs> which I was like
0: Wait, 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 wait. If you're saying you got into a cars 3 debate, are you telling me he's on the side of that's good?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um <sighs> so I was like uh, because the way I broke it down to him was, I was like, Kyle, it's like, it's a remake of Rocky three. But the difference is, imagine at the end of Rocky Three, instead of fighting Clever <laughs> Rocky went, Hey, Apollo, why don't you do it? I just, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, and that's, why the hell would I want to see that? You know? Right. Like, it just doesn't, strong woman. Like, that's what it feels like to me. And it just that, that doesn't work for cars. And and, the, and that's what was so frustrating, I was telling him is that um, Cars 3 is a really good movie up until that point. <laughs> and I just think that that ending is such a downer for me. I've never gone back to revisit it because it just made me so mad.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've i seen it a billion times, regretfully so, and I just, I, I cringe every time. And I try not to make, like, like comments. It's hard sometimes not to. It's hard, to, isn't it? Especially. <laughs> oh, dude. I, cause oh, man. The moment oh. I get mad is when they're training. Now, I am not a boxer, Charlie. I although I understand the concept of a sparring partner, the sparring partner is not supposed to knock out. Like they're not like they're designed to get worked. Right. And it's the same thing like and and, and this is you know Rocky 3 analogy, boxing, here's the racing now, back to Cars 3. They're doing that final practice race and she just blows him away at the end there and then like celebrates it and I'm like you're the worst sparring partner ever, okay? You're the worst. You know, that thing just – that that just makes me so mad because I'm like, if the sparring partner gets a shot in on the guy, they don't celebrate it. They don't get it pumped up about it. Like, if anything, they make it fired because – you know what I mean? Yeah. So I get I, – that just gets me so mad. And then, of course, like if 10 minutes later, he's like, eh, you know what? Uh I think I'm about out here. Yeah. It's right. just such a,
2: imagine days of thunder with Tom Cruise going, Nicole, you do it. I just, I, uh, I can't do it. And just <laughs> what? Like that's how out of left field it, it felt watching that movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah. this might get me in trouble, but it, I have to mention this cause I did that. I know exactly what you're talking about and we got to get to rumble 92 here in a second, but I just want to mention this. Yeah. Like these are the kind of things that get me in trouble. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to God, I'm trying not to... I gotta keep my mouth shut. Uh, And then something happened in Onward where I was like, oh, fucking really? Uh, Have you noticed, like, in the the last, like, three or four years of Disney movies, and I'm including Star Wars, I'm including Marvel, there's the obligatory no-name, non-important gay character who has, like, one line or a small monologue. So, in Endgame, it's the it's the director of the movie. In Star Wars, it's during the celebration, and there's like two women kissing in the background. And, and and in this movie, they do it again. And it's just this one little throwaway sentence. And it's it's just, there is nothing that infuriates me more than Disney doing this having their cake and eating it too bullshit. Because it's, it's in every movie now. I think it's even in the Frozen movies, although I haven't seen the second one. I know it's in the first one, where it's like, well, we got to appeal to glad. How do we do it? Well, we don't want to do it, but we could just kind of slide like a little line in or, or something like that. And it just, God, Disney sucks. <laughs> it's, just, it's, not, it's not like this is a main character or somebody of any kind of significant importance. It's a throwaway character. So that they can get the brownie points, and even though they didn't put any work into it, uh, this this is like my least favorite thing with Disney right now.
0: Yeah, it's pandering. There's a lot of pandering. It's such pandering. Yeah. 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 And and it, I mean, it'd be one thing if you if you just embrace it, you made it a part of the movie. movie just embrace it. Just do it. I, and,
2: I I fucking dare you to embrace it, but you won't do it. <laughs> you won't do
0: it because secretly I mean, you, it's like you're. It's like your Kane telling John Cena to embrace the hate. Yeah, just do it, John.
2: No, 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 no. It, it it totally is because it's it's like just embrace it. But you know what? I know you won't do it because you're afraid to do it. But you want the credit at the same time. It's bullshit. And how anybody? How, like the like there was backlash when they did it in Endgame. There was and and not the kind of oh I hate gay people. Her, her. It wasn't like that. It was from people from glad they're like really that's all you're gonna do and then they did it again with star wars and they just keep doing it and it's like but no one's ever liked how you did it in the first place so yeah do you think you're you're on a roll here and ah oh, god it's it's just so frustrating but anyway that's that's that rant <laughs> i don't want to go any further well, with
0: that <laughs> Well, right now we're at thirty-five minutes, and we haven't really technically started. The I'm episode, sorry, guys. Is, maybe we should uh, put okay. like a little no, no, no. It's fine. Maybe we
2: should put a little it's, bumper it. at the beginning. Look, if you just want to hear the rumble, I probably will.
0: <laughs> I probably will just explain it. But what, what we're going to do? We're going to take a brief pause, hear from Anchor, our sponsor, and then we will get back and just do strictly Royal Rumble '92 the rest of the way. So, thank you for sticking around. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is the franchise Shane Douglas, and you're listening to the New World Rise.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're back. And we're doing, we're, we're now getting into what this episode was entitled around, which is Royal Rumble 92. So, pretty much like I told you, I was like, we really should do this after watching, because I fell down this rabbit hole doing Rumble 01 because. I kept wondering, I was like, really, is 92 the best Rumble? Really, is it? Because I feel like people are saying this who haven't watched it recently, and maybe they're just looking at the numbers in terms of how many great wrestlers are in here. Is it really? And then I watched all of five minutes of just the interviews for Royal Rumble 92. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is this is the apex of Royal Rumbles. Not to take anything away from 01, it's still a perfect match, but this one overall really does have... I mean, it hits every category, it seems like, of why it's a perfect Rumble. What are your initial thoughts about Royal Rumble 92?
2: I just remember watching this one um, quite a bit as a kid. I actually remember uh, one time when I hung out with Daniel Hill. We went back to his place, and he was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, Royal Rumble 92. And I remember we threw this one on, and we had a blast watching it. Because uh, it's... One thing that's interesting about Rumbles that we didn't mention in the last episode, most of these matches don't have rewatchability. Like, at least in the old days. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah, like 95, like that's an example. Uh, like, either the ones that Sean won, like it's just, eh. You know, like there's not a whole lot of fun to it. But there is so much in 92 and 01 that is fun to go back and revisit. And I would even throw 97 in there that um, that's that's my initial reaction to it and, and and I'm glad you pointed out the interviews because I, was, I, I like to try to rate the whole thing not just based on the match but the build up and, and the way that um, it's promoted like it's such a simplistic intro video that they throw on at the bumper uh, with Vince McMahon just saying the names it's so simple and just very it cheap looking but it, it fits so well and to hear Vince just be excited to say these names and the rah rah you know, doing that kind of crap and and the, <laughs> I also like looking at how how excited he is for certain wrestlers and like some of the wrestlers he doesn't really put in all of his effort into the Repo Man, you know, stuff like that. Stuff like that,
0: or or, like I love like like for some of them, like he says, the immortal Hulk Hogan. But I love Ric Flair's the uh, self-proclaimed real world champion, Ric Flair. Right, that's great. (laughs) I don't think maybe.
2: (laughs) I actually love that little bit of a line because in in just saying that, it's like if you were just watching this without any kind of knowledge of what came before. This is for the world title, and he's the self-proclaimed. Boom! There's a story. Why does he? Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's, it's good. And it, and the interviews themselves, uh, I watched them all again. They're fantastic. Like everyone always talks about how great Savage promos are. I, I, I always forget. And it's, it's because nobody really ever talks about it. I love the way he throws his glasses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just all right off camera. (laughs) Just chucks them. I'm really hoping somebody's off to the, off to the side, catching them because, his glasses hey, are hey, always watch so it. cool. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, by far to me, my opinion, like, even before I started watching two favorite Rumbles, 01 and 92. And I could go either way on any day with with them. That's how I feel.
0: Royal Rumbles are actually this crazy, like, WWE self evaluation of how good their roster is at any given time.
2: <laughs> I they, was thinking the same thing. It's like, that's such a great thing thing to like to to talk about because it's like one thing that's so much fun about watching the rumble is well who was in the company at this time
0: yeah and and you can and a lot of times based on when they come out what they're doing out there how long they're in you can tell like how much they have maybe invested in a character now i mean there's some outliers obviously in in these but when you talk about those mid-90s rumbles like the sean ones it's pretty indicative of like what like it's an era that is it's not super popular overall. It didn't do a tremendous amount of box office. Were there great wrestlers in there? Absolutely, but overall were those rosters great? No, no. That's why when you oh. get to when you get to those Attitude Era Rumbles, and again, like we've only really mentioned oh one being like the, the that's the one to watch. But there are. When you get to the O2 Rumble, and you really start picking up throughout some of the 2000s, like you really see how many guys are out there. And depending on how good the roster is, it really does have an impact on how good the Rumble itself is. You know, It really does. There is a correlation between those two. So, sure.
2: And you can actually, I think, almost make an argument that every era of pro wrestling has their Rumble.
0: Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, because... What is the ruthless what is the ruthless aggression rumble, you think?
2: I was just trying to think of that. Uh off the top of my head, I wanna say it's the one that um Benoit won. That okay. that I that's the one I remember the most. Um that feels right. Like is that I think what what year is that? That's two thousand is that four? Four. Okay, and Rey Mysterio, his is in two thousand and six. Yes. I want to say 2004, that rumble, that rumble is good because we talked about the two that it's who won 2003 Brock. Okay. So to me, 2003, that's so weird because that feels like a ruthless aggression rumble, but that's not, but that's what WrestleMania
0: 19. It is. Yes. I think 05 maybe another answer. Um, only because the finish is so screwed up with <laughs> Is this the
2: John Cena Batista finish? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) But it's so symbolic, though, because even at the time, who were they really going to go with? And I understand they have two separate shows, but there's usually one guy who is the face of the company. And there was a time where Batista was certainly on track to be that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some, I, I think his injury certainly derails him from that that happens in 07 or no I think yeah yeah 06 no oh, it is 06 I'm sorry yeah or wait maybe it's maybe it is 05 I forget whenever it is I don't whatever um but that it that one almost becomes symbolic of it just because well who really is the winner here well Vince Vince comes out tears all of his quads and yeah. and they have to restart it it's so funny yeah but it it that's kinda, the one where Vince tears his quads
1: yeah
2: you know, the WWE just loves to talk about. And I, you know, I, that's one of those stories that always pops up in a doc that you're like, Jesus Christ, here we go. Yeah. Only Vince McMahon would, would tear both quads. And you're like, oh, Jesus.
0: So how do... The easiest way to say how we get to Royal Rumble 92 is just, let's go back to Survivor Series and this Tuesday in Texas, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Fallout. The, the the finishes are... are, are are murky in terms of they just aren't they aren't cl- in kayfabe they're just they're not clean they're not decisive enough there's too much stuff going on around them so Jack Tunney's like no Hogan you don't have the belt back we're gonna hold it up we're gonna hold it up and we're gonna do something unprecedented and it, it truly it, it, it already I mean what a great an- anticipation builder for the Rumble it's like the winner of the Rumble is gonna be the WWF champion go that's it yeah, yeah.
2: it's the first Rumble that matters
0: yeah right. Right, because I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head when they started the winner goes to WrestleMania thing. When that? Oh, it's ninety three. Okay.
2: Okay. It's the very next year because it's Yokozuna.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Good. Good. Okay. So the the hype for this is who's and who's going to be the one to come out because you know immediately even though Hogan is waning in popularity he's still the guy like no doubt about it he's still the guy but. There are other people lurking that could do it, and like Ric Flair has literally come in and said he's the real world champion. He's out there, but then you've got just—I mean—you go down the list, and it almost feels conceivable that any one of them could win the thing. Which was great. That made it really fun to to kind of look at at the time because it—and I'm, and I'm doing my best here. I was—I—I I was only. I'm only eight or no nine when that's happening. So like, I definitely did not know as, as much as I do now about wrestling and wrestlers and where they come from and who pushes and things like that. But it, it definitely feels like a, a little wide open in terms of that upper echelon who could get it. So um, I don't know. I, I Do you want to go into the interviews next? Do you want to do that? Is there any more with like the buildup you want to talk about?
2: Uh, sure, sure.
0: Uh, I love
2: the Coliseum home video exclusive of Alfred and Terry Bollea.
0: <laughs> like, what is this?
2: Like, like it's not Hulk Hogan, <laughs> like, and it's it's not quite Terry. It's so it's basically the Undertaker now. That's the version of Hogan we get, uh, and he stumbles over his words immediately because he's not yelling. It, it's, it's a very awkward interview, and it's a Coliseum Home Video exclusive, so I think that's what it was. Like, Hogan was probably just at the end of his day, like, I'll film it, fine.
0: Well, uh, Charlie, and, uh, I, I think if you couple that with his actual on-screen promo, it looks like a ch- it's a chippy Hulk Hogan. It does not look like a particularly He's a little chippy. Yes. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I just wonder what, if he was in a particularly good place. I mean, I think we know that 92 is not, sure. is a weird year for Hogan if it's weird. Well, for how would wrestling. you like it
2: if some? How would you like it if some short British guy just came into your, the bathroom <laughs> with you and just asked you how you're gonna do at work tonight?
0: <laughs> it's a good point. That's a good point.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'd be a little chippy too. I'm like, F- fuck off, Alfred. <laughs> so did we get Piper and Jean, and this is a. We talked about this off air a couple of days ago. This is another one of those weird Piper promos where he just kind of Davidly roths himself into a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about his eye on the prize and mentions Martin Luther King. And even though, like, just a you know two WrestleManias prior is the uh, <laughs> the black and white cookie match uh, that he did. It's just strange. Then you get Mooney with Michaels, and they they show the barber shop, and Heenan's comments are always just fantastic <laughs> with during that bit but then like god um savage sid a really great little character promo from repo
0: man oh, That man. like isn't that good it's really what good you, god it's a solid what 45 seconds whatever it is
2: it's yeah and he it's it's not really like the greatest promo but it gets his character across beautifully like, I always love how characters would, would do a promo and incorporate their character into into the stipulations of whatever match they were going into. Like, it's it's it's, it's kind of like one of those. Yeah. Like, oh, like the Undertaker when he would be in, like, a Buried Alive match. Well, I'm already undead, so, like, there's no way you can win. But I'm sure you'll figure out how. Um, British Bulldog does his. Jake Roberts. It's not my favorite Jake Roberts promo because he raises his voice a little bit. Yeah. Uh, then you get Flair and Perfect, Undertaker, and then finally you get you actually get Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, and it's like we were saying, like it's just it's not a great Hogan promo. It's really not. No,
2: it's, cause it's, it's I think it's because Mean Gene isn't there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have that other doesn't have Gene to throw it he off. He doesn't him.
2: have someone to bounce off of. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: And, and it just feels God, it's so funny because yeah, Hogan is still the guy here but he definitely it definitely feels like something's
0: slipping it does with and with him and his character and i mean it's it has been chronicled over the years the re- the reactions he gets during this match as being an indicator of where things were headed for him or like just overall like where what people thought of the character oh i can't wait to get into it yeah well, let's not wait, jackass. Let's just do it.
2: <laughs> Goddamn. So, so Finkel starts explaining the rules, and just like every fan at home who still sits through these Royal Rumbles in the modern times, Heenan just gets more and more upset. And just come on, we know the rules. Come on. And then Tunney comes out, and it's like, oh god, not him too. And I love the the Bobby Heenan calls him. Jack on the take, Tunny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even Hogan is like saying he's a crook too. Who's he on the take from? I know.
2: (laughs) Like, that's the part I don't get because it's like, sure. It could be Vince, but that's not the storyline. Is it the million dollar man? Like who knows? (laughs) The Jack Tunney is so awful on the mic. He completely slips over his words right at the beginning. It's like, just start this
0: fucking match. Yeah.
2: And, and as soon as it starts though, I I'm, i love the first two entrants. I think that's a great first two entrants that we get here.
0: Yeah, so we start off with the British Bulldog who has a pretty good stay in this rumble. He ends up staying in around 23 and a half minutes and the second one is Ted DiBiase who shockingly is out early. And
2: and I'm are we get That's the one mistake.
0: Are we getting to the point though, where his health is not as great? You know what I mean? Like I know Money Inc yeah. will still give him a bit of life but his wrestling definitely seems to wind down and start. I mean, we're
2: only, we're only a year away from his final match. I think his final match was against, um, I want to say it was razor Ramon.
0: Oh, I remember. Is that the SummerSlam match?
2: That might be it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he retires just very abruptly. Gotcha. And I think that's why they paired him up with IRS so that it would take some of the pressure off of him. Okay. Um, which I, I guess I can excuse that because there, the combination of those two characters has never made sense to me.
0: <laughs> Bull, the the bulldog but, there's a lot of hype There's a lot of hype around him because he had won a battle royal in England yes. recently, and this is kind of his year. Like his big, like from WrestleMania. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> from WrestleMania seven up to this point, like it's been a constant build, you know, for the bulldog as being a guy that's going to really become a big part of the, of the mid card. So he's in there for a, a a decent amount. Like he, he really is. And then at three, you've got flair. And what's awesome about flair coming out is monsoon immediately writes him off. Like there's no way he can win.
2: Yeah. So this is a little strange because, um, they never said that the interview that one of the interviews that flair did earlier in the show was a Coliseum exclusive. Uh, even though it's with Alfred Hayes, but flair says I'm coming in at number three. And I don't know if it was a Coliseum home video exclusive, but I have to think that it was because when Flair comes out, Heenan just loses his mind.
0: You're correct. It, is, I, it was the Coliseum one. Yes.
2: Okay. Yeah. They should have said that. Uh, yeah. Cause Heenan, had, and I guess the audience for that matter, had no idea that Flair was coming out at three. And this was, I, I always thought this was interesting. You could have easily had Flair come out at one. Yeah. But they chose three for some reason. You know, and and Gorilla Monsoon starts harping on the fact that there has never been an entrant in the Royal Rumble in between the numbers one and five who made it to the end, which I guess means one.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, this is really interesting. And and usually, I'll just say it right now, just get it out of the way. This is one of the greatest Royal Rumble performances I've ever seen.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, Ric Flair... Takes an absolute beating in this match, and he just keeps getting up, and it's really admirable. Like I really paid attention to it this time. He gets, I think every wrestler gets a piece of him, and it's like a it's like a trial by fire pretty much for him to get through this rumble, and it's very impressive.
0: It does. It belongs. Like as is, as is awesome as his his wrestling uh, matchography goes or whatnot. This performance belongs in his top ten. For sure. Sure. For what he does, yeah, it's I would awesome.
2: absolutely agree with that. And uh, so then we get, uh, so then we get Jerry Sags.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Which? Why wasn't
2: Knobs in this? Yeah. You
0: know, Good question.
2: We, we we just get Sags, who I always thought was the lesser nasty boy. <laughs> it was just okay. You know, we're gonna start getting some uh, some ham and eggers coming out here. And yeah. This is the first. Time that we hear Bobby Heenan say, this isn't fair to Flair, which is one of my favorite uh, wrestling quotes of all time. And just the way that, it sounds like Heenan is on the verge of a heart attack. Uh, I don't know how he keeps his energy level up as well as he does. And not, and, and, and on a side note, the comedy that he keeps injecting into the match cuz as much as i love flair it's like a competition who's the best performer at this rumble it, for me it's either flair or bobby heenan. Y-
0: yes as good as flair is in the ring without heenan on commentary it is not nearly as good
2: he- exactly it's not the same this is a lost art
0: yes yeah
2: oh my god it just it's like okay we get to see flair do the physical stuff and but we don't unfortunately we don't get to hear him talk yes we do it's bobby heenan right. bobby heenan's like practically talking for him Right. So we get a fully fledged character performance uh, in the match. At least that's how I look at it.
0: Yes, and absolutely. Keenan
2: is just mm-hmm. gold. Yeah. So then we get uh, Haku. Yes, from the two
0: thousand one Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he lasted. He, he lasts. No, he. I forget but, how long. About he About been. a minute. Yeah, I'm trying to remember O one <laughs> how long he was in there. Was that a minute? It's not much longer. Yeah. It's.
2: Uh, He's in here about a
0: minute fifty one. It looks like for this one, so yeah, it's not very. Okay, I
2: want you to do your. I want you to do your bit. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Number six is Sean. Yeah, because I'm still laughing about it.
0: So the
2: number six, we we get Sean Michaels. Go. uh,
0: First off, great performance. Uh, He's in here for 15 minutes, almost 16 minutes total. It's a great glimpse of what we're gonna get. But what's really funny is when he's in there, he starts like imitating Ric Flair. It's like he's. It's like Spy Game where Robert Redford and, T- and and Brad Pitt are both trying really hard to play each other. It feels like that's happening here with flair and Sean. But what I really laughed at was first off, he, he breaks out the crescent kick as it's called a few times in the match. But when he starts like just punching Ric Flair, like just doing like, like 60 jabs to his face. I couldn't help but saying, I sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> he just beats the shit out of Ric Flair. <laughs> And it made me laugh because, like, even when he pops off the crescent kick on him, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have time to say I love you. Just. <coughs> oh. <laughs> Just... <laughs> and it really is. A, it's a great performance. And I think it's only helped by who comes out after him, which is Tito Santana is El, um, El Matador. They are working so well together in this Tito and Sean really do a great job. And I'm so glad that they kept them together and did their mania match. About to say, day.
2: don't they open Mania? They
0: do. Yeah. They do. Man, I I really like Tito in this. I thought he was really good. He's only in there for like thirteen I, minutes, but he's good. I like all of Bobby Heenan's outdated racist comments towards
2: <laughs> Tito. Like, and I don't and I don't mean that like sarcastically. I really like what he says about Tito. It's it's hilarious. Sean Michaels is making guacamole out of El Matador. <laughs> And then like Tito does this really impressive clothesline, and Bobby—it's oh, it's a flying jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear this kind of stuff anymore. And f- me personally, I think it's harmless. Uh, It's—it's just—it's—it's it's what a heel is supposed to do. Just be a dick, and and, he, and that's what Heenan just did so beautifully, and it—it's fantastic. I love it. The only and then we get s- the barbarian.
0: And I was right? gonna say the only thing that sucks for both of them is like. Like, as good as Sean is and Tito, I feel like they get eliminated off screen and we don't fully see it. And it's just like, oh, no, these two guys that were doing really well just vanish at the same time in the Rumble. Yeah,
2: and Gorilla does a good job of building up Tito. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's a former Intercontinental champion. He's a former tag team champion. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it could be Tito. And Sean, as Unfortunately for me, um, I kind of—it's not that I think Sean just kind of takes a nosedive. I kind of lose track of Sean after the "I'm sorry, I love you" punches uh, <laughs> You're right. that he gives <laughs> to Ric Flair. Because, but I, but occasionally I would I would look back at Sean and he'd be bumping fantastically, like like he did, like he did his classic. Uh, I'm hanging out on the top rope and someone kicks me in the gut and all of a sudden I'm crotched on the top rope.
0: Right. Uh, right.
2: Maneuver. Yeah, we get to see a lot of what's to come of Shawn Michaels here.
0: Uh, you're right about Barbarian, he comes out next and then Tornado Tornado and Flair is really cool to watch and I think this becomes kind of a recurring motif yes. in this is the, the if if you are a if you are a wrestling fan that's consumed all the stuff, the dirt sheets, the books, the docs, the shoot interviews, all the stuff. You love this rumble because when you have moments where Tornado goes over and starts fighting Flair, you're like, oh my gosh, it's the NWA world title match all over again. Cool. It's really
2: cool. And Flair does his one and only true face flop bump for Kerry Von Erich, where, you know, the one where, where, like, he hits him really hard and then Flair will take, like, three or four steps forward and just eat the mat. Right. And... It's the only real one he does. There's another one, but he drops to his knees first.
0: This needed to so be a taunt in revenge, really... by the way. They needed to do this in revenge for him. If you press the stick like up or down, that's what he would do. He would just. <laughs> wasn't that the
2: his wasn't that his finish in, and it's not a finish, but in World Tour he would do the two steps forward, flop, beg, and then poke him in the oh, eye. Oh, <laughs> you're
0: right. I'm sorry. You are right. That it was, <sighs> but it wasn't a taunt. Right, it was a move. It was, it was a special. <laughs> so
2: you had to, so you had to know that Ric Flair. Because what I always did was do the do the poke and then immediately go for the small package. <laughs> that was the move. Yes. Good call. Good you call. You gotta roll them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, number ten, it's Repo Man. <clears throat> and, he doesn't look like he knows where he is
0: yeah he's Repo Man's whole his action is like maybe they don't see me is the whole time right. what he's thinking
2: Especially, I love how he sneaks around Habner
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: he,
0: he actually yeah. Who, he eliminates Volkov and Valentine who come out after him and I love like right. when he does get eliminated though he once again is like maybe they didn't see it I can get back in no I can't okay I will leave <laughs>
2: Garzo. What a weird character.
0: I know. <laughs>
2: he, just, he just snuck back in. I love this one spot, because uh, like I said, one, one thing that's so cool about Flair in this rumble, I, I swear, he he squares up with every single guy that comes in. Uh, Valentine puts him in a figure four. Yes. Yeah, and the crowd just kind of uh, goes nuts for it. And Volkov, oh, God, I, I didn't write it down because I knew I would remember it. So Volkov comes in. Does two offensive moves, like two punches, and then he's out of options. Like, he literally stands in the ring and looks around, like, anyone else want to tussle?
0: <laughs> nobody wants to. I'll tell you, we're, we're nobody
2: get, wants to tussle.
0: There's somebody, and we'll get to him soon, who I feel like is Mr. Irrelevant in this Rumble. We're like, nobody wants to do anything with him. Every time he tries to do something, it screws up, and it's just like, just stop, just leave. But anyway, we'll we'll just get leave. to we'll, <laughs> we'll get to him, I guess, in a sec. But yeah, what the thing other thing I was gonna so, say about Valentine, you're right about the figure four. Also, everybody who could uses a chop will chop Ric Flair in this match.
2: <laughs> oh god, his <laughs> chest and I it's a good thing he has such a good tan because his chest would be just absolutely beat red lit up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like it, the he just takes such a beating. And speaking of taking a beating. So after Volkov gets eliminated, quite quickly, the big boss man hits.
0: <laughs> and,
2: and like like what does Bobby Eden say? He goes, Oh Flair, look out, don't don't get eliminated by that country bumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this,
0: I, <laughs> props of the production work too. Every time one of these big faces would come out and Flair's just sitting in the ring, he looks just the look on his face like, no, no. Yeah. Him. God
2: damn it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not,
0: not trailer <laughs> it's like who is he is he wanting like Tom Tom Brandy and all these guys to come out is that who he's thinking is in this rumble <laughs> Tom Brandy <laughs> Salvatore Sincere or whatever the <laughs> yeah <that guy. laughs>
2: but uh, oh man so so, so the, here we go here's a series of eliminations practically all together it's Greg Valentine Repo Man, the British Bulldog, sadly, and Texas Tornado, and you're like, oh my God, who are they? Who are they getting? Who are they making their way for? Number fourteen is going to be huge. It's Hercules Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, okay. And then we get like uh, that. This is when Tito and Sean go over. I think they go over at the same time.
0: They do. You're right. Yes, yes, they do. Right, right. And,
2: like, one of my favorite what-the-fuck-is-he-thinking moments happens right here. Uh, for some reason, um, Ric Flair just decides to go after the Barbarian.
0: <laughs> I love when Flair likes to double-cross people in this, because, like, you realize they're not eliminated, so and they can just beat the hell out of you now. Awesome. Good idea. Right. Why would you do your dirtiest player in the game unless you were eliminating somebody, to where they're out of the... Th-
2: oh. Oh, it's coming up. There, oh, there is a point in this match where Ric Flair just—I'm just gonna hit everyone in the dick. I'm just gonna hit them all. And there's one man he chooses to hit that he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> but I'll get to that later. So, so now we got Hercules and Barbarian get eliminated, and we get this cool little match between Ric Flair and the Big Boss Man. Yeah. And this has got to be top five—one of my the top five favorite Royal Rumble eliminations. Ever, because Big Boss Man about gets his head cut off. <laughs> yes. Like there's a, I forgot it was this match because uh, I, I, it's one of my favorite gifts, but Big Boss Man for some reason dives at Ric Flair from the center of the ring, hits the ropes, he gets tangled up for a second, he goes over the top rope, and then his head gets caught right underneath the bottom rope, and the weight of himself pulls him back and the rope snaps his head right into the mat and he just kind of uh, he just collapses into the into the abyss
0: <laughs> there were a couple eliminations where the camera angle makes it look like they just vanished like they yeah
2: like <laughs> boss man looks
0: unconscious uh, when he hits his head he just oh God
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good. But it's like, oh, God, who are they making their way for? Like, they're clearing the ring. Is I don't know. Like, who's it going to be? And it's Roddy Piper. Oh,
0: man. what a, This is a great performance. A great...
2: Piper has un- so much fun here.
0: Underrated performance, too. He's in this for 34 minutes.
2: I noticed that they never mentioned... I don't think they mentioned it. That, um... Can you believe Roddy Piper has been in the ring for 30 minutes or 34 minutes? Because... I mean I noticed it but it did, it didn't seem like he was a focus of uh, monsoon or bobby heenan uh, another great bobby heenan line here right after piper backdrops flare heenan <laughs> Flair must have been backdropped twenty five times today.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I, dude, couple that with the fact that like when when Piper looks like he's like helping out Flair and he's like, I always loved Roddy Piper. It, oh, it, it's amazing. He talks. He calls it a kilt, and then as soon as he turns his back, that stupid skirt wearing. He's. he's he, I forget the exact line, but the way oh, he it, so quickly turns on him, it's great.
2: It's great because uh, this happens. Um yeah, we can just get to it. This is during the Jake Roberts entrance. Oh, so Jake the yeah. Snake Roberts comes in at sixteen, and Jake immediately does a beautiful uh, short arm clothesline to Ric Flair, and Roddy starts like helping Rick, and uh, Bobby Heenan says, "It's a kilt, not a skirt." Oh, thank you, Roddy. And then he, it's, and then he goes like Piper, like levels Flair, and Heenan goes, "You no good freak." <laughs> <laughs> It's a skirt, not a kilt. The fact that he called him a no good freak, like, like that's, <laughs> that's what did it. I was like, holy cow.
0: And this, and, I, um, and, and a couple about like,
2: Jake for a second. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this is weird. because like, I love that Jake, like he, he fools the dirtiest player in the game. He's somehow tricked. That's how good Jake is. Cause Flair believes that he's going to help him. No, he's not. Bip. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, oh,
2: it's so cool, dude, because Jake comes in and there's like some smarky fans in the audience because Jake, like this isn't a reaction that he should have gotten, but he comes into the ring and while Piper's got the sleeper on Flair and he just sits in the corner and watches and then does that thing with his hands like, go on, continue. <laughs> and the audience is like, yeah, Jake. <laughs> and, uh, and then that's when Jake kind of uh, attacks Piper from behind. Um, Jake's great in this rumble too. He does a lot of cool things. He actually even tries to DDT flair, uh, which I would love to see that. I don't know if that's ever happened, but Piper interrupted it. Anyway, uh, number 17, our favorite, uh, returning to the podcast, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan.
0: Yeah, he, he he spends some time in this Rumble, too. He's in here for just under 21 yeah. minutes.
2: And as he should, he's the original uh, Royal Rumble winner. That's right. So yeah so you gotta keep he has a couple he has a good little mix up with Flair it's not bad um and number 18 IRS
0: Mr. Irrelevant this guy sucks in this rumble
2: okay (laughs) I like how Duggan immediately grabs him by the tie. right like you idiot (laughs) what I was referring to earlier
0: is like there are multiple times where IRS tries to like get involved in something and nobody wants to be involved with him like at one point he and Flair have uh, both legs of uh, forget whoever it is and irs wants to do a wishbone and tries to do it flair does not do the wishbone it. spot doesn't want to do it there's another point where he's holding a wrestler and i'm not sure if he's holding him for flair to chop and flair just leaves like goes and does something <laughs> else
2: i'm out he's just irrelevant in this oh, rumble. i did have one interesting thought um so, I noticed how, you know, IRS's costume is like, I mean, it's a classic costume. Uh, what, I think I thought it would have been interesting if they had repackaged him ten years later in some way to be a part of Right to Censor.
0: Oh, yeah. That would have been so like, cool.
2: That could have been cool because I think his character fits with them. Like, that kind of, I think they could have reworked it just a little bit and... Like because Stephen Richards is great on the mic, but I always liked IRS. He was a heat magnet whenever he'd get on the microphone. I thought that would have been kind of cool. Like he didn't, he wouldn't have to wrestle. Or His anything.
0: name is Irwin oh. R. Sensor.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am IRC, and I am <laughs>
2: I- IRC. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's not bad. Um, and so, uh, coming in at number nineteen is the alleged murderer Jimmy Superfly
0: Snuka. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say it too. I'm glad you. Did.
0: <laughs> it's like his little moniker now. Every time he comes out, instead of Superfly Jimmy Snuka, it's like alleged murderer.
2: <laughs> yeah, like he's not the Phenom or anything bullshit like that. It's alleged murderer Jimmy Superfly Snuka. <laughs> yeah, because it's like. You keep waiting for his legacy to truly just go into the shitter with <laughs> WWE, and it just won't happen. And I swear the only reason it won't happen is because Vince came in with that briefcase. Just, well, well if, if, if we admit he's wrong, then I'm wrong. I, it's not possible. Well,
0: Jimmy tries to. It looks like he tries. Once again, uh, th- does not get the best of The Undertaker. He's out in two and a half minutes. The Undertaker comes oh, Snuka out. Oh, sucks in this. Thing. Yeah, he's he, out.
2: He. He doesn't do shit. It looks like he's just kind of doing a, a gentle stroll to the ring. Like he doesn't he doesn't really play up to the audience much. I, I just don't care. Um, mm. It was at this. It was after this uh, entrance that I realized that Piper and Flair are beating the living shit out of each other.
0: Oh yeah, those ch- those those open palm slaps to the chest.
2: Jesus. Oh God, like they are just going at it so hard, and and it really looks like they have a good chemistry together. Yeah. Because um, every time they, they pair up, uh, it, it's immediate attention grabber. So this is when the Undertaker comes in.
0: Yeah, number twenty, the Undertaker, and he will he stays in for around thirteen minutes. And what's really funny is the farther you go back, and the Undertaker matches, especially when you've been watching, you know, Alan Jones and the Boneyard build up <laughs> and all this stuff. Michelle you are... McCool. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero
2: <laughs> and, and uh, Guerrero, <laughs> 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 yeah. But that could like be deemed racist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's so funny is when you go back and watch like this era of Undertaker, where like the move set is like very limited. He just his whole thing is, let me get a choke on, let me look for a camera and roll the eyes in the back of my head. That's what right, I'm right because
2: there do. was one point. There is one point where he doesn't roll his eyes until the camera hits him, and then he does it. And it's like, oh, shit, I forgot. And yeah. uh, I, once again, another great Ric Flair moment. Uh, Flair goes right for The Undertaker. <laughs> like, like, this is such a perfect Rick like idea of what the Ric Flair character is. Um, you know, he wins the match, of course. But one thing that's so great about Ric Flair in one-on-one matches is... How is he going to win? Because he just gets the shit beat out of him in every single match. And then somehow he would always end up finding a way to win. So to see Flair just, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going for the undertaker. <laughs> just like, Are you out of your mind?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, and it's, it's kind of funny because it was like, you guys were kind of like working together, you know, in the fall. Yeah.
2: And, it's and, weird to see undertaker taking Alliance at this time. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, especially like with Jake coming up here, and
2: uh, yeah. So, uh, Randy Savage is number twenty-one, and um, this is really this is a really weird entrance because Savage comes into the ring like a house of fire. He's yeah. looking for Jake, but Taker immediately just eats him, and, and and Savage like he doesn't do anything when he first comes in, it's just kind of deflating. And then you get the first of what I always say is two really stupid Randy Savage decisions in a row for Royal Rumbles. Yes. Um, he eliminates Jake and then he hops right over the top rope. And typically I would think when something like this would happen, they would just have to call an audible like, no, you're out, Randy, you got to go. But Randy is kind of somewhat essential to the final of, you know, the finale of the match. So I think that's why they called the audible. Um, and, and this is when you get the—you have to be propelled by someone else.
0: <laughs> Which, in essence, Charlie means Drew Carey is still in the 2001 Rumble. He's still- yes, uh,
2: Drew Carey is the winner. Uh, <laughs> it's the longest on-running Royal Rumble uh, yeah. to date. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, so here's one of my favorite moments of the match in terms of a really stupid Ric Flair decision and a really interesting reaction to it. Um, Ric Flair low blows the Undertaker. And Taker just doesn't know how to sell it. <laughs> like he kind of like stares at him for a second and, and then just kind of like crossed to stage left. <laughs> he, just, he doesn't know what to do. Because you know? what I wanted to see was him low blow the Undertaker and then hear, hey! <laughs> just <laughs> Get that old thing going oh Jesus
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> where was what match was that when we first where we heard that and we just started laughing so hard what, what that, it's, it's clearly American badass was it during the like the, it's American
2: the, badass definitely uh, triple h it, it might have been the it might have been triple h at 17. <laughs> um it's he definitely does it during his Brock feud from Ruthless Aggression. Yes. You no, know, that's like true. when he's got that broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, so to see him get a low blow from Flair and just, I don't know what to make of that. Nobody's done
0: this to me yet. <laughs> Not one person yeah, has do, attempted this to the Undertaker.
2: Do I have balls? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he looks over at Paul Bear and Paul Bear clutches the urn. <laughs> that's all he can do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um here's one of your favorite old wrestlers <laughs> oh, <laughs> number yeah. 22 yes. the berserker do your impression
0: <laughs> uh wait, what is the impression what do, i forgot
2: you used to do this all the time and it was just so dumb when he comes to the ring and he goes huff
0: huff huff huff, huff, huff. he's holding his wrist like he's like i want my communion yes. now. huff huff <laughs> and yeah so i i i did a deep dive like one night i was just like i'm curious what the hell happened to this guy like and what did he ever do besides try to kill the undertaker with a sword and i've forgotten that he actually went (laughs) he he won a battle he somehow has won a battle royal and he earned an opportunity to wrestle bret hart for the title for the world title And I was like, and I immediately was like, oh, I got to go look this matchup. It is done in five minutes. Brett just crosses that man up and he is done. (laughs) There is nothing of significance. From the Berserker or the Viking, whatever. (laughs) I mean, what a character. The Viking. (laughs) (laughs) From Minneapolis, Minnesota. (laughs) Wouldn't it have been great if they named him the Berserker Experience like they did the Viking Experience for those guys in WWE now? (laughs) Oh, I thought, okay, because I had a totally
2: different brainwave there because – the Berserker experience totally sounds like the Berserker's talk show.
0: Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And now let's go to the Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a character! Like uh, once again, <laughs> when so we bizarre. when we use a joke about like like you could really figure out who was going to be the champion at any time because all you had to do was say in your mind and in introducing the WWF champion, the Berserker. that doesn't
2: doesn't sound right no no no, that can't be right (laughs) yeah what was his finishing move like win by count out he
0: just throws you over the top rope and just starts hitting his special he just hits his stick all around the ring just doing taunts and just gets a (laughs) count out win
2: that's it he does all four of his taunts he does his his opponent's taunts
0: (laughs) can can you imagine like in the modern era where they're doing the susan g komen tie-in and here's a here's the WWE spokesperson the WWF the WWE champion the berserker <laughs> and you see him doing he's wearing a pink helmet with the horn
2: <laughs> he's got the pink helmet on but he's wearing a tuxedo
0: <laughs> i mean it, it, that's that's when you just knew certain guys like WWF champion the repo man no nope, doesn't right. that just doesn't sound like it <laughs> He's your champion and ours, Skinner. Oh well, soon enough, soon enough. Because no, this it's is coming. This is kind of the run with Berserker, and then you've got I, one, two, th- like the next three, like are just kind of fillers. Um, do you have anything to say? Oh with, God! <laughs> in regards oh, to these next three,
2: like Bobby Heenan is on fire. Yeah. Uh, Virgil hits the ring at number twenty-three, and Bobby Heenan starts doing the math, and he goes. Oh wait a minute! Virgil's twenty-three. Well, well, who knows how many bags he's gone through in the back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. Oh my God! Will you stop it? <laughs> he's a former million-dollar champion. Whatever. Like,
2: that's not his. That's not his gimmick. Like <laughs> if he had said that about the Repo Man, that would be one thing. But for some reason, I won't. <laughs> I won't pontificate, Bobby Heenan. Said Virgil. <laughs> oh God! So then we get um, man. Okay, so number twenty-four comes in, and it's it's the Iron Sheik, but he's going by General Mustafa now. Colonel.
0: He has not been promoted yet. He is only a colonel.
2: Oh, he's a colonel. Well, wait a minute. Bobby Heenan has another line that's really interesting. Goes because, because he had to be talking about Mustafa because he goes, he's, he goes. Well, why do you think Saddam made him a general?
0: <laughs> yeah, I he must have that confused with General Adnan. Remember that guy? That was the other Oh, funky? okay, yeah,
2: Adnan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How yeah.
2: Hilarious. So, this is always one of my blind spots in the history of pro wrestling is that Iron Sheik got in on this and went by General Mustafa. I always forget he was Mustafa.
0: Yeah, so like they he's and, like WrestleMania 7, it's Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan. Then they add Mustafa after the fact, I think. He comes in and becomes part of the group. Uh, as they push on towards SummerSlam, so uh, it's it's just weird, especially when he puts Hogan in that feud. He puts him in the uh, the camel clutch, and you're like, well, well, shades of '83 or whatever. You know, it's like, right? This is weird because this guy's just a jobber now.
2: Right? He's not even the same character. I mean, it's not it's not a part of my head canon. Yeah. Hashtag not my Iron Sheik. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um. <laughs> So, three things happen here, and uh, so we get uh, model Rick Martel at number 25, Mustafa gets eliminated, and for some fucking reason, Jim Duggan calls for a USA chant. Yeah. Uh, well, no. yeah. I yeah. hate this character so much. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I really can't put into words how much I hate Hacksaw Jim Duggan as an adult. <laughs> it's It's... Why? Why are you doing this? Um, Although I will say, I didn't write it down, but it does happen at some point. I'm trying to remember who did it to him. It it was either... Hmm. Jake... Sorry. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, at some point in this match, takes a horrendous-looking atomic drop. Like... Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Was it Jake or was it Roddy? It was one of the bigger guys that did this to him, and... It just looked terrible, like in terms of, oh, I hope Duggan's all right. It looked like his knee went right up his ass.
0: That's a – man, I can't remember who did it, but I remember remember there was an atomic drop that I was like, oh, I never thought that move would look so bad.
2: Yeah, it it, it just – Duggan just doesn't – I seem to remember like he doesn't really know how to do this, how to take this move properly, especially if it's from the front. Because it's just, I'm just going to sit on your leg. How's that? And it's, all right, it's your ass. Um, so he calls for the USA chant, and here we go. The, uh, the, the the typical number one guy in the company gets in the last five <laughs> right, right. situation. Hulk Hogan comes in at number 26, and it's, it's time to clear house. Yep. Um, Taker, the Berserker, Virgil, and Duggan all go out. Uh, during this one little section.
0: Yeah, and what we were talking about earlier is like, it's not like the crowd is a house of fire for Hogan.
2: It's not... Okay, two things. One, I think that it's the biggest reaction, definitely. Yes. But it's not a Hulk Hogan reaction. Right. It's more like a... It feels more like an ultimate warrior reaction than anything.
0: And Um, it also feels very obligatory. Like we have to do this because it's we have to, to do
2: this, Yeah. yeah. And I will say that there is some magic here. Uh, and it just, you know, hindsight being 2020 it just makes you look back at WrestleMania eight going, Oh, what could have been Hogan and flair have some great little moments.
0: Yeah. It's almost 17. I'm sorry. 2001 level with rock and Austin When they lock eyes, it's that same kind of thing in a way.
2: Yeah. And WWE didn't really uh, have the wherewithal, to think about th- how easily you can make a spectacle happen. Like, if you look, like, a good comparison would be Rock Austin at, at 01, where, like, these two guys are coming from two different corners and they're going to meet in the middle of the ring and the crowd's just going to get, like, amped up for it. No, Hogan just kind of goes into a corner with Flair and chops and Hogan stares at him and hits him in the head a couple times. I mean, it's great for what it is, but. It I ah, mean, oh, it could have been so much more uh, if they had planned it
0: properly. And if you watch um, that, you really do you see why? Oh, well, here's your man. Well, was, Skinner, I, I right? Twenty seven. Uh, yeah, Skinner, uh, Skinner. who's all in for all of two minutes before dispatched by the the model Rick Martel. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> I, the only other thing I was going to say with Hogan, real quick, was that. You could tell he did not want to do anything with Flair in terms of like I'm not ta- I'm not taking any of your crap or selling it. I'm I'm Hogan. This is my place. It does have that feel to it where it's just I just it does not look like he wants to do business with Flair at all. Oh,
2: he suplexes him on the floor, and uh, uh, he doesn't really do anything in terms of like putting Flair over. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, like, I think Hogan does well other than the chop. But you know, when when Flair chops Hogan, we know what the next thing is. Right. Um. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything
0: for him. No, and I and again, I don't know when they started their house show matches. If they had already been doing them, or if they do them after this, I don't know. I don't know when that started. Well,
2: that's what's so weird is that you would think this was setting up Hogan versus Flair at Mania. But the way that the Rumble ends, it's clear they're setting up something else. But they had, I don't even think they'd made that call yet during that weird little press conference where Hogan is like sitting at a. with Savage. I'm sure you've seen this. And and then Jack Tony goes, Hulk Hogan will be fighting Sid. And Hogan just kind of stands up really weird and he's like, Yes! <laughs> <laughs> like, really? You want to be fighting not for the title? Okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll. We Well, let's just go ahead and get to Sid. Slaughter's at 28. I don't know if there's anything spectacular to say about Slaughter at 28. Is there anything you have for him before we get to Sid?
2: Uh Skinner gets eliminated. Uh We get... W- this is a, another cool thing that happens here, man. We get, we get a little mini-match of Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper.
0: Yes! Good. Thank you. Yes. That's another one of those nice little nuggets that we get in this.
2: Yeah. Like, it's just... This rumble just really has everything, especially if you're had been following wrestling for a while. It's like, Oh my God, this feud, like they haven't feuded since like 86. Right. This is so cool. And number 29, here we go. It's, it's, uh, it's our boy. It's Sid justice. That's
0: right. That's right. Here he comes. And could c- we just call him psycho Sid justice? Cause it looks like that's what he's trying to do. And he's promo. almost there. <laughs> he's so-
2: okay. Oh, his promo. <laughs> I-, I love how he says wrestling. Like, it, like there's an H after the S. Oh, re- it does a get wrestling, yeah. It, it's it's a good Sid promo. I,
0: I mean, love it, when he it, says, "Not as he's closing his eyes, telling you to open your eyes," <laughs> is one of my favorite bits and he does in there.
2: <laughs> okay, but, so um, uh, we, this is this is cool. We get Ric Flair versus Sid.
0: Right, uh, right. Two two former horsemen. <clears throat> And, so that's uh, cool. And, is there anything we need to say before we bring out the last one? Or we just want to save all the business for after that person comes out? I'm not sure. Uh, no.
2: that's The the only note I have before the last one is Sid versus Flair. And, okay. and I will say that sometimes number 30 can be really exciting. <laughs> and then sometimes it can be an absolute
0: dud. Um, so it's per- number 30. I think safely <laughs> we can aim toward the latter. It is the Warlord. Comes in at number.
2: Yeah, 30. It, the safe money is on the ladder.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the warlord makes it all of a minute and forty three seconds in this before he is dispatched somehow by both Hogan and Sid. It takes both of them <laughs> to eliminate the warlord.
2: Right. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Um, I tell you, it's it's almost like Sid saw the big boss man elimination and went, "Well, I'm gonna try to top that." That's it. So he finds his own fat fuck. And, unfortunately, it's Sergeant Slaughter. This bump that Slaughter takes to get eliminated just looks awful. Uh, Sid just kind of Irish whips him into the turnbuckle. And I guess Sid doesn't know his own strength, because to me it looked like a regular Irish whip into the turnbuckle. And Slaughter just goes headfirst into the buckle and, like, trampolines himself off the top rope. (laughs) And, And just completely just falls into that abyss... Because like the cameras like wouldn't follow every elimination back then, like where a guy gets thrown over and then cut to the camera on the floor right by him, and just and he's gone, he's disappeared.
0: Here, here's a great stat for Sid in this Rumble. He is only in this Rumble for five minutes and fifty five seconds, and he gets six eliminations.
2: Yes. I mean, he yes, hit. And, and yeah, that's a, that's a good call. Um, I was also wondering how many eliminations Flair got.
0: During Flair this has. Five, five eliminations. Five,
2: okay, yeah, because he, he's got a he's got a few them in here.
0: Yeah, um, and I mean, this is so definitely before. This is way before they were really tracking that with wrestlers. Like, obviously, it's it's tracked heavily now. They love to talk about how many eliminations somebody has. Um, but it's interesting just how 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 dominant Sid really looks in this Rumble.
2: Well, a guy that looks like Sid, you're not going to have him fighting for the Intercontinental title. Just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, Sid is just such a powerful presence, uh, like even among the Land of Giants in the WWF. I mean, he's just massive. It's funny you mention that Warlord was eliminated by Hogan and Sid. It took two guys to eliminate Warlord. However, Sid eliminates Martell and Piper at the same time all by himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. Just wipes them out.
2: <laughs> and and they don't make a spectacle of this, and I think it's a massive misstep on their part. But this this could very well be the greatest final four in Royal Rumble history. It's Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Sid, and Randy Savage. Holy shit,
0: man! Yeah, can you imagine if they had had the ninety seven fin- or yeah the ninety seven finish, and they had them have a four corners match? Wow.
2: Oh, this be the four corners match. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, that was before WWE was really doing that kind of a match. Uh, and like I said, they don't make much of a spectacle of it, and it's unfortunate. And Savage is the first to go, and it's very unceremonious.
0: Yep, and then that leads to the spot, basically the spot yes. that really defines this this rumble with um with both or so. Hogan is eliminated first by Sid. Right? Is that how...
2: Hogan is trying to eliminate Ric Flair. Yes. And and, and it should be mentioned that prior in the match, uh, you know, Hogan and Sid had eliminated uh, Warlord. And I think there was one other time where they teamed up on something. So they're clearly planting a seed. So Hogan is trying to eliminate Flair and Sid just... The camera hits him at just the right moment where he's like, oh, the hell with this. And Sid just walks over and just... Dunks Hogan, which is completely legal Mm -hmm. in pro wrestling. Hogan throws a little hissy fit. And then Flair grabs Sid and Hogan... uh, Sorry, Hogan grabs Sid by the hand and Sid sells it. Like when he's like, what are you doing with my hand? Are you shaking it? What do you plan to do with my hand? (laughs) And, oh, oh, I see. And Hogan starts pulling down on Sid and Flair eliminates Sid. And the crowd is very mixed at what they had just seen.
0: Yeah, because they, they definitely pop. They definitely pop. It is unavoidable. It is not disputable. I don't think you can dispute it. They pop when Hogan gets eliminated. There is a yes. pop. And I think I've heard debate there are over the people years. people who jump up. And mm-hmm. have you heard this too, that like th- there's been debate over the years how maybe in post they have manipulated how big that pop was?
2: Yes, I've heard about this,
0: that it was actually
2: far louder than um than what like on the network version basically than what, it, what what it originally was and it comes up later but i'll just mention it now sid feeds into it sid feeds into the crowd reaction that's against hogan he even yeah. mocks hogan's yeah uh pose uh so so rick flair is the winner of the world title and this is this is the old days, so we didn't just give him the belt in the ring and then fireworks and shit. Flair makes a beeline for the back, and Hogan and Sid kind of like square off in the ring. Hogan is like, "Why would you do that to me?" And it's just really stupid, yeah, on the part of Hulk Hogan. From a you know, I want to say it's from a character standpoint, but uh, some of this feels real. <laughs>
0: Well, it, you know, here, it, this is such a contrast of eras because nowadays they'd start, they would go at it like punching and it would be like a sure. real, a real pull apart. This is not that kind of era where they'll, they'll just kind of grab each other and hold and all the other, the, the flunkies and suits will try and break it up and stuff like that. I love the line right. though. That's very audible that Ho or that Sid says, he's like, you better leave while you're still alive. Old man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like Sid goes kind of Brock Lesnar. Oh no! On on uh, on uh, Hogan while he's walking to the back, he goes. It's very audible. He goes. I will kill you. <laughs> You're gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> it
0: is. It is a weird finale to it because it just feels like I. I don't know. I, I'm trying. I try to put my finger on why it was so. Why it's weird and it definitely feels because like Hogan
2: a, doesn't turn heel
0: that maybe that's it because i was like they feel like we're out of choices is what i was thinking i was like there's no like nobody knows what to do next is what it feels like and maybe that should have been the next choice was like
2: hogan the camera catches him at just the right moment when the crowd starts chanting sid the crowd starts chanting sid and hogan looks annoyed when he's in the ring um it's a really interesting moment and Sid like I said he eggs it on he starts like doing his little hand gesture like yeah keep it going keep it going um, cuz how can you not like Sid you know and and Hogan's stuff was starting to get a little passé at that point and and you had such a loaded roster of cool guys and and legendary wrestlers uh yeah I I totally get this like as a kid I was totally on Hogan's side for what yeah. he did but yeah. Just like with Savage. I'm like, yeah, fuck his wife. Who cares? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Hogan did a lot of shady shit Yeah, uh, when he was a face for that company, which makes his heel turn even better because Bobby Heenan just, I knew it. I knew it all along. Like, and that's what makes that work so well. But, um, yeah, it is a little weird because it feels like we're supposed to get, it's a combination of things. It's Hogan didn't turn heel. And it feels like we're supposed to get Hogan versus Flair. At WrestleMania, which, right. as much as I love WrestleMania Eight and I love it a lot, it, I still wish we had gotten that match. Um, and but yet, it's like I said, it, it was like it was setting up Hogan and Flair, and then at the end of the Rumble, it feels like they're setting up Hogan and Sid.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels weird. Like it's just not it, you're not used to seeing at this point Hogan not in the title picture. You're just not yeah. used to seeing that.
2: It's the first time we'd seen it since four. And it's also the first time since four that the title was vacant.
0: That's true. Yep. That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, but with four, it made sense. Hogan was filming, uh, no holds barred. And plus they were setting up the eventual Randy Savage Hulk Hogan match for the, for the next year's WrestleMania. It made sense. This just doesn't feel right. Like, do you remember that weird interview that, they air it right before WrestleMania 8, because there's something that's kind of forgotten with time is that WrestleMania 8 was kind of promoted to be Hulk Hogan's final match.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: And there's this weird interview that Hogan does with Vince, where they're sitting down, and it, I, I don't remember exactly what they talk about, but it ends with Vince saying thank you for eight years of, of wonderful Hulkamania memories. He says something like that. And the way that eight ends, it definitely feels like this is the last time we're ever going to see Hulk Hogan. I, if, it feels like a victory lap of a career. And well, we certainly know it wasn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird year. Ninety two is a strange year because it that it's it. You think it's going one way, then it goes another, and then by the end of the year, it's definitely going another when yeah
2: um, because we're starting to get into the next gen
0: yeah so Uh, it's
2: because flair leaves
0: yeah and you literally put you put the you you go from the beginning of the year rick flair winning it in this battle royal where maybe he's going to feud with hogan at some point maybe he's going to feud with randy savage or sid or all this it's like no he's going to drop it to brett like by the end of the year it's like
2: whoa and it's not even going to be on tv
0: that and and dude i was going to say that's the that's one of the weirdest things watching this is like how the hell is bret hart not in this match Oh, the rumble? Yeah. because
2: yeah, Hart was a, he was a a major mid card star at this point. Yeah. Was is he on the undercard?
0: No, remember. I he, know so is. This is what's this is a fascinating era that's and I think he talks about in his book this little this little span of time for Brett because he drops the icy belt to the Mountie like three days before at a house show. And To the Mounty he, to the Mountie. And then there, behind the scenes, the whole thing was his contract was up. They were worried he was going to take the IC belt at WCW and go on the classic oh, of go, yeah. And so they take, they take the belt off of him. They say, I think on camera, that Brett is sick. He's got a fever or something. And yeah, it's just weird that, and then like, of course, everything gets worked out and he's put on the road to face Piper and it's legendary. It's another classic and all this, but yeah, it's just, it feels like, as perfect as this is, that's why we're doing it, it would just be even more, just, just it would just add, it would add even more to have Brett in here in the mix of all yeah. these guys fighting each other.
2: Absolutely, he's the one that's missing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, n- I definitely noticed that, and I, I just assumed he was on the undercard, but yeah, I I never, I don't, I'm sure I've come across that story before in Brett's book maybe, but I, I don't remember that. That's that stuff with the IC title.
0: Yeah, it's just really weird. Like, I mean, it, it's like, man, they really were worried about that stuff all the time, about somebody just taking some taking the belt to another because, well, and they were worried because Flair basically had done it to them. He'd taken right. their title to WWF. And they're like, oh, crap, we can't let that happen in reverse. So but um, yeah, The how about the pro the pro the Flair promo with Heenan and Henning?
2: Well, how can you not talk about this promo? I mean, this is one of the greatest promos. Might be my favorite Ric Flair promo ever, because uh, I I believe him, like even non kayfabe. I truly believe he feels that way. Uh, and Heenan is fantastic. You got Mister Perfect doing his thing. Gene Okerlund tells that guy to put his cigarette out. Right. I mean, this like like literally just the idea that Ric Flair's victory celebration for the world title is so massive that you got like the production crew like ecstatic and, and lighting up cigarettes like in the back like Woo <laughs> <laughs> like this is a part of the party for some reason um i i, I just absolutely love this uh, the the tear in my eye speech i mean it's it's fantastic like this is easily like one of the greatest things rick flair ever did and for anyone who ever doubted his abilities as a wrestler, um, just look at Raw Rumble '92. Look yeah. at what Ric Flair accomplished in the WWF in just one year. One yeah. year—that's all he's here for.
0: And and it ties into Monsoon. Monsoon really—I what I love is that he's a face. He's the face play-by-play guy. He downplays Ric Flair in the beginning, and by the end of it, he's like he's earned my respect. Like he even says it on camera, like I was wrong about Ric Flair. Yeah, it was really cool. And that didn't happen all the time back then. No, no, huh?
2: because no, I, like, I, I definitely was paying attention to what Heenan, or sorry, what Monsoon was saying about Hogan, because how in the hell do you defend this?
0: Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, that really is like it's a hard thing to defend. Like it is it is it's a temper tantrum is really what it is, right? Because usually when a, a face would do
2: something heelish and Heenan would go or Jesse Ventura would go, well, what about that? Well, well that was payback for two weeks ago. You know, like Gr- Monsoon or JR would do something like that. But there's literally nothing to tie back. Uh, like, oh, he's just getting revenge on Sid for skipping out on the Denny's bill. You know, <laughs> there like, it is. <laughs>
0: the infamous Denny's bill.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That grand slam breakfast uh, that Hogan had to pay for or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's literally nothing to pull from. So it's just Hogan's just a dick.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, but, um, what other, I think that's it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, just a phenomenal rumble match. And I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. So, um, hopefully if you haven't seen this and if you're one of like the 10 people left in the world, who's never seen this rumble at this point, definitely go see it. If you, if it's been a while, I hope this spurns you on to go, to go see it because it does, it does really, it warrants definitely a rewatch. It's really a good time. Um, before we get out of here I wanted to mention I wanted to plug a pod I recently listened to and it's The Stranger Rings podcast. You know, it's a it is a really cool podcast that just started and it's two guys that talk about just crazy storylines in wrestling. What's really cool is like we go through these timelines and we're watching pay-per-views or we're going through these specific matches and we talk about the storylines but our focus is on the match. What's cool about this pod is it's talking about these storylines, especially these longer ones. Like I listened to the Ray, the Ray and Eddie one. I loved listening to the one where Paul Bear gets, um, gets popped in the cement mixer, and the Undertaker just leaves him in there, and he's dead. <laughs> and it's just one of the weirdest little storylines that they had. Where, like, Paul or Paul Heyman had the urn and he was using it to control the Undertaker and turn him heel, but he really wasn't, and all this stuff, and it was crazy. It's a cool podcast, so definitely go check it out. The Stranger Rings podcast. Anything else, man, before you wanted to get out of here? Uh, no, I think
2: that pretty much uh, covers my feelings. It is Royal Rumble 92 is a perfect 10.
0: Absolutely well definitely let us know what you think in the comments once this posts and um we'll be coming back with some more content real soon you can find us on twitter at new blood pod we're on facebook new blood rising podcast i am at william rinkin 83
2: and i am at cm underscore Stabs. we'll see you all next time kick out kick out cactus (laughs) goodbye my friend
1: that's a goodbye Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. You're going to be missed, Cactus. God's feed, McFoley.